We all have big dreams, but far too often we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. Our guest today is known as the Freelance Fairy. She went from a regular 9 to 5 job to freelance writing and never looked back. To the point where MSNBC featured her in an article titled, This 28-year-old earns $378,000 a year on Fiverr and just bought a car for $50,000 in cash. Beyond business, she is a very well-rounded entrepreneur and most importantly, friend. We talked about learning, entrepreneurship, mindset, and what it takes to build a successful freelance business. Please welcome to interview 43, Alex Fasulo. As always, I just love to say thank you so much right off the bat because people taking the time to come on a show when time is so valuable really does mean a lot to me. And my first question is always someone that seems lazy for a journalist or interviewer, the idea of asking somebody who they are. And it's not because I don't know you, I've known you for a while now, but the reason is that we show up in so many different ways, especially someone like you who is super multi-passionate and multi-creative and gets into so many things. So the the other idea to me is that a lot of times people will write articles about us or create content about us. And I know that's something that you've certainly had to deal with over the years too. someone writing a post about you. And so if you're given the opportunity to define yourself, kind of who are you and what do you do? Oh, man, I you know what? I have to work on this because I should be able to answer this, but I do too many things. So that's always what ends up happening to me. I would say I am first and foremost a writer and author. That's the thing I'm most proud of. And that stems from my overall business, which is freelance writing. And I have my own freelance writing agency now. And I got started freelance writing eight years ago. And that's kind of you know what put me on the map with everything. I wrote a book about it. Um, definitely the most the thing I'm most proud of. So I kind of introduced myself first now as like an author to people, even though there's like 5 million other things I could talk about um, that I like to do. Like uh, sometimes I put gig economy commentator on things because I have tried probably 15 different side hustles and have been in the gig economy for almost a decade. So I don't know if that was a good answer. I I tried to make it an elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing about that question is there's definitely no wrong answer and they're all great answers and ends up leading us down different paths kind of thing. And one of the things that you just made me think of was this idea of naming ourselves about something that we do. And I heard something just a couple of days ago that it was a tip from someone who's, you know, a, a big dream life coach kind of thing. And he said that he loves asking people to define themselves by like the problem they solve. Yeah. What problems do you find that you solve or your sort of mission or your why? What do you find that is? So I think my number one why is helping people discover other ways that they can make money besides being at a job they hate, besides being at a nine to five. I kind of see it as my job to make people aware of their options because I really believe so many people aren't aware of their options or they're not aware that they could take you know, the exact same skill set they're using at their corporate job and just sell it as themselves as freelancers. So I, I find that to be my why is I don't want other people to have to suffer be miserable, be so upset, be not attached to their creativity, all of that at their jobs. I I really am like passionate about wanting people to know that they have options. Do you feel that that's something that was always in you from being a little kid and like developed greater? Or was it something that you struggled with and then had to discover? Like, what was your journey to starting to create that? Why? You know, it's funny because that wasn't my exact why. I thought when I was young, I was going to go into politics and be like a chief of staff. I um, never in a million years thought I was going to be a business owner, but I definitely have always been like the challenger type. Um, I've definitely always not had issues with authority, but I have always pushed back against it. One of the reasons I did not excel in an office setting and I would get in trouble with my teachers a lot too. Not that I would push back in a rude way, but I would just kind of challenge them constantly to be like, okay, well, if this is this, and how come that's that? And they'd kind of be like, Alex, shush, like, don't, don't ask. Um, so I've definitely ever since I was like four years old, I've been very much a challenge authority type. And it's just kind of blossomed into now me challenging society, basically and challenging everyone to sit back and reflect on, you know, is this job making you happy? Are you or do you feel fulfilled? 
at your nine to five? Does an office setting drain you? Do you feel like you're not creative? Because I actually believe everyone is creative. So it kind of like took on a life of its own. But the the like seeds were always there when I was little, for sure, to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was smiling and trying not to laugh too loud because, uh, I mean, I can certainly relate. I think that uh, we've had conversations over the years, a couple on Clubhouse and a couple just, you know, through social media. And yeah. I think as much as any guest I've ever had on, we have very similar values and sort of not necessarily upbringing, but like background in terms of that mindset. And so I, I was laughing because I remember it distinctly once saying to one of my teachers when he told me like, you have to come to class this whole week because we're preparing for the exam. And this was only in high school, not university. And I said, no, I don't. Like, that's all I said. <laughs> and he was so mad. And 25 years later, whatever it's been looking back, I ran into him at a restaurant and we were talking about that. He doesn't remember it, which is really interesting because kids remember, right? A lot of these things and, and the adults, they're in passing, they're doing their job. It's the whole like, that's that because I said it is without critical thinking, which is fascinating, you know, mm -hmm. talking to a 16 year old kid. Yeah. And so in any case, after the exam, he said, I guess you were right, because I got somewhere in the 80s or 90s or whatever, but it was all content that was not creative. It wasn't that right brain style work. And so I knew I didn't need to be in class to learn things that had kind of those black and white answers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, like the first job I took out of college, um, I would get my work done for the day in like 45 minutes. I've never really been a big procrastinator just because I've recognized like if I don't procrastinate, then I'll have so much more free time. I'm big on wanting to be able to control my time, you know, do what I want with it. But I would get my work done for the day by 10 a.m. And then to me, they'd be like, oh, well, you still have to be at your desk. And I'd be like, why? Yeah. I'm done with my work for the day. I don't understand. I used to go outside. Um, There's like a big open field kind of in the middle of the city. And I would just go outside with a book and I'd like nap in the grass for three hours, <laughs> like come back, read outside. And then they'd be like, where were you? And I'm like, I don't know. I was I was just outside. My work's done. And they'd be like, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? <laughs> I don't understand. And yeah, that's always like same thing. Like you just said, my brain never understood that wasting time, blindly following orders if it's not actually like conducive to productivity. I, I never got any of it. So never clicked for me. That makes complete sense to me. And I know that like kind of down the road, the style of this show often, you know, kind of talks about journey to where we got here. And then kind of because it's really aimed towards youth who are trying to figure these things out for themselves and certainly are nowhere near where you and I are. We kind of like try our best to really break it down in simple terms, almost like a masterclass in, in whatever anyone's background is, whether it's podcasting, you know, in your case, certainly freelancing and business and these other things that you do. But I do have a question, like I know we'll get to the business stuff a little bit later, but specifically specific to that because it connects. Like, do you find that running your own business if you have employees or people that you are having do work for you now that you run the business differently than when you had your first job? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I like I'm actually doing what I promised I, I would do if I ever had people below me. So uh, the way my business is set up is I only have one employee. It's my best friend and I'm an employee to my own business because it's an S corp. And then otherwise, everyone else I use are independent contractors. So I don't even reserve the right to tell them what they can do with their time anyway. Not that I would. So my best friend, for example, I'm like the opposite of a micromanager. I think sometimes she'll check in with me and be like, hey, I have like 18 questions because you just... <laughs> You just kind of like go away because I so don't manage people. Like I get people all set up. I have a notion set up. I have Loom. Like I have all the training materials. I'm there with them in the beginning. And then when I'm like, hey, are you ready to do this? I, I kind of then step back so hard that I allow them to come to me if they have questions or if they want to ask me something. But otherwise, I could care less what you do with your time. I, I do not care at all. As long as the projects are done and, and the clients are happy, then I love you and have a good day. I don't care if you're going to go to China tomorrow. Like I, I do it, you know, because I believe if people are feeling happy and fulfilled and all that, it, it bleeds over into their work too, if they're not being controlled by every little thing that they do. I'm putting myself on the spot right now by trying to get these three things. And I think they were parenting, partners, and professionalism are the three things in the book, The Unicorn Space, where uh, Eve Rodsky shares that like, those are the three things we, we have in life, right? Yeah. As kind of like our uh, things that we need to do, our, our needs. And then it's so important to add creative unicorn space 
on top of that, like having our time to create for ourselves. And I think in those last two kind of answers, you shared this idea of people being free to do sort of what they want. You know, um, I haven't read your book yet, but it's definitely on my reading list and I'm excited. But you got me thinking of that idea. And, and you mentioned that it was uh, about freelancing, but about kind of living your own journey. And I have certainly seen some of the like micro creative that you've created around it. Why don't you talk about how that book encompasses that or what else is the book about? Don't ruin it too much for me, though. It's split into four quadrants is I guess how I could break it down without giving away too much. So it follows my own progression in my 20s in business. So like the first part of the book is all about freelancing and um, everything I know about it, like how to get started doing it. What is it? Um, the history of it, because I'm a nerd with that stuff. Just all the basics of freelancing. And then it shifts into side hustling. So I basically make the case for everybody can freelance. And I tell you why I believe that is. And then freelancing, once you get you know, a little extra money from it, um, what should you be doing with that money? So then I kind of take you through the rest of the book of what I did with it. So the second part is all the side hustles you can try out, the ones I recommend, the ones I don't recommend, the ones that were risky, the ones that weren't risky, and I, I won't say anymore. Um, and then the second half of the book, I start to move more so into like theoretical topics. So I move into how I've actually managed my money, the specifics of it, because that's part of my brand being crazily transparent. People probably think I'm nuts, the things I share with money, but whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I talk more about what I've actually done with my money and what I did right and what I didn't do right. So you can go ahead and, you know, if you want, not make the same mistakes, of course. And then I kind of finish it out in the mindset, spiritual mindset realm of um, how a lot of this comes from up here. Uh, you could read a whole book like you just did, but unless you kind of go up in here and um, rewire some stuff and sit with it and be present with it, it's not really going to stick. So it's kind of like a whole it's like a whole rainbow <laughs> of everything I know in a lot of ways broken down and like if it's a very easy to read format so it's like a business guidebook still so there's like key takeaways at the end of each chapter and I've had a lot of people tell me they've read it in like two days which was my goal I wanted it to not be I wanted it to be a not pretentious business book. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. So everybody can feel comfortable reading it. So I've had people tell me that that's, they felt comfortable reading it. So I'm like sick. <laughs> that's like slightly different, but the same of like my vision for a book that I'll create, which is kind of the opposite. It's like high school guidance counselor creates entertaining book for students who can read this and be inspired. But within it are going to be a lot of business and entrepreneurial and social media driven lessons. That's cool. Uh, sticking with the book for a second, this is almost like a pre-roll, early roll ad because like I want people to buy your book. <laughs> nice. Um, is it uh, hard copy only on Audible? Like where can people buy it so I don't forget? Yeah. So um, it's funny because I don't know when it gets released in new places either. And some people will have to tell me. So it's apparently, I looked it up, it is on Audible now. It's hard copy and paperback now, I believe on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, like all the usual. And someone even told me it's also on Scribd. So I, I believe it's everywhere now, um, but I, I'm positive it's on Audible and you can listen to it. So that's as of like two weeks ago. And what's it called? Freelance your way to freedom. <laughs> that's perfect. It's like the, it's like, that's like blog post SEO 101 right there because it's like, it's, it's catchy, creative. It's got a hook, but it's also, know. you know, going to show up in search and stuff and it solves a problem. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you come up with a title? Kind of. I came up with some way more zany, crazy ones. And Wiley was like, these are cute and we get why you like these, but you have to understand you're a first time author. We need searchability. We need a little SEO involved here. So, um, they helped me with the keyword research and they said the word freelance, you know, needs to be in it and stuff. So we kind of, I like alliteration. So I liked the freelance your way to freedom, Alex Fasulo. Like I like the whole F thing. So I thought that was a pretty good straightforward title to not one that's going to confuse people. Cause I had some confusing ideas and they're like, stop. I'm like, okay. <laughs> What? Do you remember any of them? Um, you know what's funny? I don't even I mean, because it's been over a year and a half now. I, I, re I don't remember them. Like one of them was crazy. And I remember they were like, Alex, no. Like I wanted to have like <laughs> the word unicorn or like Pegasus in it or something. Like I wanted it to be like whimsical. And they were like, no, you're going to confuse people. I was like, all right. Yeah. Sorry. And that's what's really interesting about, you know, sort of hiring or building a team, the idea of who, not how around you, because those decisions as like a really strong creative would be amazing. And it's like, if you want to create a book that like three people pick up, 
because they get you, then like, yeah, do it. But if you want to create something that is scalable and, and they're supporting, then you kind of got to go that route. Yeah, yeah I, I was I was smiling because I, I mean, I completely get that. That's been a very hard thing for me to learn, even just within writing a blog post like, okay, well, that's a little too creative or that's a little too confusing, like to use another word, right? And building, I guess, the empathy for target audience is just can be such a difficult journey when it comes to that. Yeah. The, the book kind of came out of left field in terms of like a topic here, but I would love to even hear a little bit more because I think the idea of becoming an author is real for people, but there's like different versions of that for sure. Yeah. And so uh, someone maybe similar to myself who is like, yeah, I'm going to do that, but it might even be in 10 years. There's just no timeline plan or someone else might want to start it now. But there's a few curious uh, things that come to mind when it came to that. So like, well, first off with the Audible version, like, did you record it yourself or did you outsource that? I really wanted to record it myself. I have a very strange following of people on YouTube that tell me that they like my voice. I, I don't like it, but people tell me they do. So they're like, we want you to do the recording. So I asked Wiley and they just said no, because um, these people are professionals. They know when to pause. You know, They're like, the amount of money we're going to spend cleaning up you doing it is just like not worth it to us this time around. They're like, maybe not forever. So I requested it, but no, it's some professional woman who did it. I wanted to though. What's really cool about that is it creates another opportunity and like a goal that like wouldn't have been solved and tackled in this first project yeah. for you. So now when you create another book that's not necessarily under contract or maybe it is and they agree to let you do it, then you can record your own, which will be cool. I know. I was like, next time I need to take lessons or just watch a bunch of YouTubes on how to do that because I'm going to I'm gonna next time be like, please, can I do this? I'll take a class, you know, an eight hour class or something. Yeah, I'd love to know the backstory and it's too late now, but maybe next time if I catch up with him again, but I interviewed uh, Daniel Matte recently. He wrote the book uh, Myth of Normal and he recorded it. And that was one of those things as a podcaster after our episodes, we, we often like, I'm like, ah, I meant to ask that because I was curious. Like I know that a lot of people are allowed, aren't allowed. And so it's kind of interesting, but sticking with Wiley for uh, a moment, a lot of people go to write a book and the only thing they can fathom doing is like creating their own ebook or something because they don't have any opportunity to do that yet. So how did you get the opportunity to actually work with a publisher? TikTok. I've been I've been saying it forever because um, your searchability on TikTok is just unlike any other app today. Like if you get on there and start posting, people find you. So my um, now book agent, literary agent found me on TikTok in um, April 2021 or May 2021. I want to say coming up on two years, she found me and was like, this is a no brainer. You're already a writer. This isn't going to be a hard sell. Um, can I pitch you to, you know, to publishers? And I was like, yes, that's my dream. You know, I, I didn't even know like how this process works. So I didn't know if you get a literary agent, I didn't even know that such things existed. You know, they'll pitch you that type of thing. So the whole publishing thing moves quite slowly. So it took nine months to kind of get to a point where there was like a topic and I could get started writing type of thing. And then I wrote the book in four weeks, like a psychopath, because I love to write. And so I just churned that thing right on out of me in like four weeks time. And we I had um, a managing editor. Was that is that what they're called? I might be saying the, the name wrong. Maybe editing manager. <laughs> one of the one of the two. <laughs> It's something editor. It begins with an M. I, I should I should know this word. She worked alongside with me. So I would submit like each chapter at a time. And probably since I'm a writer, um, she didn't have horrible, horribly long edits to make. So we got it done pretty quickly. And then it was out, you know, the same year I wrote it, which is crazy. But yeah, it all came from TikTok. My amazing manager found me just from posting all the time. So I'm a big advocate on my socials of telling people to just start posting. Um, even if it scares you, just post anything thing because it will allow what is meant for you to find you. It's not going to find you if you're just, you know, in the shadows all the time. Mm -hmm. Do you find that TikTok, like to the people that say that it's, oh, it's saturated and I shouldn't even bother, like, because they kind of missed it, so to speak. What do you say to those people? I disagree. Listen, I've been with TikTok from the beginning here. So it has changed tremendously, no doubt. You don't just go randomly viral anymore. There's no randomness to it. If you want to go viral, there has to be thought and planning. It's like YouTube. Like you, you don't just go viral by accident anymore. That being said, since they, you know, changed their app to be more like YouTube, it's more of a natural organic growth to it. So I posted a video yesterday that I knew was going to do well. It's called like the seven side hustles I tried in my 20s. I already knew it was going to do well because A, the top if you just look 
look it up, you know, side hustles, it's huge on there. Um, but I, I made a, it's like a three minute video where I take the time to go through seven side hustles that I tried in my 20s instead of just like some random dance in the front yard, which I mean, could probably still go viral if it's hysterical, but I can't dance. So I don't post videos like that. So now I've changed my tactic on there. I, I specifically create content that I know is going to at least get you know, 10,000 views. I don't just kind of, I mean, sometimes I post random stuff still, but not nearly like I used to. I've like shifted how I use the app, Mm -hmm. but no, it's not too saturated at all. There's a girl on there right now that blew up from like zero to 3 million followers in two months. Her name's Alex Earl. I remember this because her name's also Alex, but it's spelled (laughs) A-L-I-X. And um, she's just another, you know, she's proof. She got on there and in two months has 3 million followers, which is definitely a seven figures that woman is earning with her TikTok. And she did it in two months. So, yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing because it's a little bit rhetorical in nature. But again, because I want people to really learn from this and I kind of remind people that it's like we're guest speakers in a, in a high school potentially or at a college. And so like you said so quickly off the cuff there that she's definitely earning seven figures on that oh, yeah. thing. So what? how is she doing that? Oh my gosh. Um. Oh, I could speak to hours to this because I'm so fascinated by it. I mean, the obvious, the obvious money-making element of it is the sponsorships and brand deals. So if you have, I'm trying to think, because I have six, 680k and brands will pay me anywhere from three to 5k to post a video for them. So, you know, multiply that already by four or five. So she's definitely getting paid probably 50k, 40k to just post a video. So that's already like, you know, you can make those in one hour. That's crazy. I'll pause you there for a sec while you think of like why the next ones come, but because it's specific to that idea of brands and sponsors, how scalable, like how much are you willing to create like that though? Because I know some people and certainly youth will hear that and then they're like, okay, so then I just make 10 videos a day. That's like $220,000 a day. It's like, so how do you approach that part? You have to be selective um, because you can't, you can't hit your audience with a ton of sponsored posts. They'll unfollow you. So she's, I'm sure, being very careful about which brands she's choosing to work with. She probably only works with two or three. That's kind of where you want to stay. And someone with her following would probably be locking in a deal with a brand paying her 50 to 100K a month to kind of almost be exclusive with them. And that way, it's also better for her following to not be hitting them with all these different brands. So influencers have definitely gotten very restrictive with the brands that they'll work with. And then funnily enough, the brands will pay you more now because they're kind of more desperate to get a hold of you. So I'm I imagine she's working with probably two brands that each pay her 50 to 100K a month. So there's already the seven figures and then all the other stuff, right? So uh, the link in her bio, um, she does makeup a lot. So I'm sure she has her own makeup line. I'm sure she has affiliate links, you know, shop my closet, click on it, commission, commission, probably download templates for photos to post on Instagram. You know, it just goes from there. It's um, it's crazy, the money uh, that you can make <laughs> with these things. And TikTok pays you for views, not well, but she's getting millions of views per video. So that's, that's like 500, probably $1,000 like per video just from TikTok that she's posting. That's just surface level. Like there's definitely probably 10 other ways she's making money below that. So it's really crazy. There's so much money to be made with it. And I always tell people like, you have no idea. Please start posting to social media, please. Because there's definitely a lot of money floating around on it. I love when people are able to hear examples like this, especially, you know, I don't know what it was, 90 seconds or whatever you were able to really, you know, I know you said you can go on for hours, but you're able to rattle off like a a really good summary of how somebody could succeed on socials. What I also know is that people can only see so far up the ladder or all these cliches about like, they can only see possibilities that they know within their realm of possibility. And I was in a jail for youth today and we were talking about this concept because um, a couple of the youth in particular will be getting out fairly soon, but they still really don't have any interests or passions per se. Like they do, but they're a little bit buried still because they feel like once they get out, they're always going to have a target on their back because they were involved in gang violence before. And they 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 feel like, what's the point in doing anything once I'm on the outs? And then like with different organizations I work with, there's a lot of those like similar stories, but they all have unique things, but they're all very similar. So all this to say, uh, you mentioned that the last quarter of your book was about mindset and making sure that you take care of what's up here in our heads first. So when somebody says like, oh yeah, this is all awesome, but like, I'm not like Alex Earl or like you, you know, how how would you kind of mentor somebody starting who only got two views on their first TikTok? (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, the um, I've actually done a lot of consultations where it starts out being about Fiverr and then it ends up me just helping the person for 30 minutes as a therapist, like unpack their, you know, whatever's keeping them back. I, I mean, it, it definitely, it's hard. I understand putting yourself out there on social media. You do have to face a lot of things in your own mind. So um, there can be a fear of failure involved. There can be a fear of success. I actually see that a lot. And it's not talked about enough, fear of success. Um, everyone talks about fear of failure. Obviously, you know, people are afraid to fail. It's a huge thing that holds people back. But fear of success is so interesting. This fear of what if you do succeed and then there's all this accountability, there's all these eyes on you, there's all this pressure, you know, you you can't just disappear, you're out in the spotlight and you can't, you know, retreat. That's a huge thing too. Uh, imposter syndrome is a huge thing holding people back. Um, it especially impacts uh, women, according to studies I've read and everything, just this feeling of, I'm not actually qualified to do this. I'm a fraud. Um, I shouldn't be accepting money for this. I don't deserve this. That's a, that's a common one based on your parenting. Um, a lot of people don't think they deserve success. Um, that's just a few of the like, thinking camps that I see. But for anyone who falls into any of them, I always tell people to start with journaling like every other person because there's something to be said for it. I always tell them to start just writing out like what, you know, if you thought about putting a video on Instagram, what immediately just came to mind? Like, re like release it, write it down. Don't be ashamed of it. Look at it, you know, be with it. On the next page, I tell people to start just, again, journaling your thoughts or thinking about passions. Like what are things that made you happy when you were a kid? Like what, like if you think about it, if it makes you happy, write it down. You know, that might be the secret to something that you could start posting about. And I just kind of start like there with all the common things that, you know, everyone says, like, just start small, start writing it out, talk about it, make it real, start posting on social media slowly, you know, like one video at a time. And um, I'm trying, I'm oversimplifying it for the sake of this podcast right now. There's so much to be said for this topic. But I always like to let people know, like, don't feel bad. Everybody has had to overcome something you know, to post on social media. It's, it is scary. And you know, people can be mean on there. Um, you really have to shelf your pride in a lot of ways. So I always tell people to like, go easy on themselves with it. Don't, don't be angry at yourself. Love it. I, I have often heard the the term like outwork your self-doubt. Yeah. And similarly, that is easy for like a Bob Proctor or Oprah or something to say. And then somebody who's really like trying to figure out, do I go to college or not? And they're struggling with it. Like it's a lot harder for them to be like, okay, I'm just going to outwork my self-doubt yeah. because they have the self-doubt. So it's such a fascinating thing. And if we could bottle it, we would build the biggest e-com business ever. Uh, but I just love these little tips and like ideas for sort of like taking that next step, you know, when it comes to the idea of books and kind of like getting away necessarily from maybe the book that you made, but people wanting to make books themselves. I know something that you did previously was create eBooks. Were you making them for free, charging for them a bit of both? And like, is that still kind of like a way that you think somebody could get started writing? Yeah, I had um, my one ebook I sold for $7 on Amazon. It made me usually like one to $200 a month, which is still amazing. That can add up, obviously, if you have 10 of those. And I also had ebooks all along that were free too. That That's a common tactic to capture emails from people, you know, add them to an email list, and then you can let them know about future books and that type of thing. So I do, I do think everybody should have ebooks out, whether it's to get the emails or to make the $100 a month or make more. You know, I didn't really put, I put zero effort into marketing mine on Amazon on any of it. And that's kind of what it was able to do still. And you can list the ebook on your website, yeah, you can put it on Amazon, you can link it on your social media. Um, I think everyone should have some type of downloadable product that is for sale in some way. I think you're missing out on not having even something for five bucks on your channels, because still $5 is more than $0. Even if someone only buys it once a month, you know, that's still carton of eggs, half a carton of eggs today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely all adds up. I don't know about there, but here right now, lettuce is hard to come by. <laughs> really? You know, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was washing some lettuce and, and other fruits and stuff. Actually, I was like, you know, maybe I should just move somewhere really warm because like, obviously I'm here, there's like piles of snow. And I think, you know, I never crossed my mind to critically think of where food comes from, but it's like, maybe it's just because it's so damn cold and so hard to get it up here. Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole, whole other topic. Uh, uh, but it's tied to economics and that ties back to business. And so just getting back into that kind of where we came from and our journey, you are a very, at least tied with the most entrepreneurially minded person that I know. And 
I'm curious if that was something that you found was also always part of who you were or like, did you get more and more entrepreneurial as it went on? Um, I mean, I definitely like from 22 to 29 now, it's like night and day because I kind of gave myself freedom to go wild with it. But when it kind of found me at 22, I would like look back on like a lot of things in my earlier life where I was like, okay, I should have known like at every, you know, when I was like eight, I was um, like making eyeglass chains in my room and like trying to make my family members buy it at Thanksgiving <laughs> when my mom would have garage sales when I was like 16. I was like, you're not asking enough for this. Like go and I'm gonna I would like run the sale and like walk up to people and they'd be like, I want this for 10 or if it was 10, they'd be like, I want it for five. I'd be like, seven, final offer. <laughs> they'd be like, all right, fine, random 16-year-old will take it. <laughs> um, my favorite thing always is I used to play RuneScape when I was younger and I sold my character uh for like four hundred dollars to some random person. My parents were like, Where did you get four hundred dollars from? You're like 12, and I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> There was definitely always like indicators there. So I'm not going to sit here and say it just came out of the blue. But when I embarked on it, you know, full time at 22, it spiraled and it it just like blew up. Like once I gave myself the freedom and the time and a laptop to just kind of go wild with it, I went wild with it. And I still do. And sometimes that that can be to a detriment um, because I'm so all over the place because I get so excited about like everything. It's like right now I'm so excited about AI and there's like a part of that could just like fall down that rabbit hole so hard. But then the other part of me is like, hey, don't forget about like your freelancing brand though. Okay, like, hold on a second. You know, Alex, stay put. I end up like all over the place with stuff because I get so excited by it. I I get it. And when it comes to the idea of what life is for and our purpose, that's such an interesting question to me. I was on a podcast yesterday and I was just sharing that like I stopped doing life coaching for the most part. Like that's something that through word of mouth, like classic prosperous coach, Rich Litvin style, like I would have somebody say like, you should really work with Justin because it's awesome, blah, blah, blah. And that's the only way that I did that. No funnel, no like, you know, social media posts, but still it was uh, really valuable to people. And so for me, I kind of stopped trying to do any of that because I wanted to focus on the creative of this show. And I think he was kind of surprised by that. And I said, well, it's like we have to make our own decisions about like what we want to do. Right. And so super mega productivity guru would tell you that you're nuts to like go look into AI and then go garden or do something, you know. So that's such a fascinating topic because I've gone through such a journey and I wasted some time doing it. But like right now I'm making hip hop music and I friggin love it. That's awesome. With your alliteration skills, you should make hip hop music. <laughs> oh my God. I was so much fun doing that. No, but that's awesome. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like taking some time to just do something for the sake of learning and for the sake of creative. And who knows, friggin' a song could blow up. You just never know. But the, the thing is just doing it. In terms of like your own life, though, I know that you're a big believer in being multi-passionate and creative. So I don't even have to ask, are you? But I'm actually curious how you do stay on track with productivity and keeping things organized when you are so multi-passionate. I'm not gonna yeah, like I'm not gonna pretend that I am great at that. Um, for anyone listening, like I'm not. Um, there's times I mean, in the last two years, I kind of went off the tracks with my focus with things. I chased a, a few too many shiny objects because it's really hard for me to say no to opportunities. I, I say yes to everything. So I'm excited and I love an opportunity to do anything. Um, so I would say the last two years, I actually did not excel at that. And I felt like kind of in the end, um, I landed back at this original spot that I found found myself in two years prior where I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I I know I'm supposed to be writing, you know, and, and all that. So um, I mean, my best friend who's my business manager is like very important for keeping me on track and on task. Um, she is necessary for me. And I recognized that two years ago. I was like, I need somebody to kind of come in here and be like, hey, Alex, like you don't need that 14th side hustle. Okay. Like you, you're good. And she's she's great at that. So she she helps me with that. That's why I'm a fan of don't be afraid to bring some people into the operation with you. Um, I think it's always advantageous. I, I'm not a fan of like too many people either, though. I don't I'm not a, a fan of like big business stuff. Um, I think just a couple people who kind of can tell you to, you know, stick with what's what's going on there. Um, I guess like other little things I do is I um, journal a lot. I feel like helps me 
kind of stay with it, but I'm not going to say I'm good at that. And I think that's actually one of my big, bigger business downfalls. I think if I could become a little more disciplined, um, someone said the other day, or I'm always going horizontally and never vertically that I need to go, you know, a little more vertical. Uh, but like you said, I mean, if you go more vertical, there's more money to be made and you're being more productive, but is that is that all that matters though like to me like that's not really why i do this so that's why i end up going horizontal because i'm like no i chose this life in the first place to be happy to be creative to be free that's really why so i don't really actually care like how much money i'm making so some that's why i end up all over the place because i know people who it's like i'm gonna try and make 50 million dollars so we're gonna go so vertical i'm gonna be in the earth's crust and i'm like you you do you but that has uh never been my like number one goal not that it, that wouldn't be cool of course <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like that's such an important thing of like self-awareness, you know, like yeah. being fully self-aware about who you truly are. And of course, that can change too, which is like valuable, you know, 10 years from now, you want to take a full year to really go focus deep into one project or spin off a new business, then do it. But I love how you just said you do you because that's one of the main takeaways that I hope people hear from this episode. And it's this idea that if you are fully self-aware, the challenges, of course, for many people, they don't know who they are and they need to kind of do the, the hard work of figuring that out in that moment first, because again, it changes, but that clarity piece. So thank you for setting such a great example of that, because it can be hard with the shiny objects, especially once you start getting connected to bigger players in business and social media who have opportunities that like you already know may be lucrative. And so it, it must be a, a challenge, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but I love the quote, um, the idea of being the jack of all trades. You know, a lot of people say that. I'm not sure if you know the full one, but it's the whole like master of none, but the next sentence are you familiar with the next sentence master of none something of all or no oftentimes better than a master of one okay and so the idea that it's typically better to go as you said horizontal like in life well you know the buddha and philosophy and these things are going to tell us that's probably more valuable than yeah. only being the best ebook writer but it depends on on what you want right and i think that's the most important thing no, no, I'm in agreement. Like, it's all about what are your goals with it. And like, any goal is correct, too. That's, I think, there's no like one right way to do this. Like, it, and if your number one motivation is to make money, you know, to provide for your family or make the world a better place, like, that's totally awesome and fine. Because I see like people will attack people like that today or demonize it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, th I think there's a lot of good that could be done in the world if money was put into the right hands. Mm hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. And so sticking with the idea of business a little bit overarching uh, and not focusing for a second, like <laughs> I'm sure you just have some fun for a sec. Like what are some other businesses, like ideas that you have or things that you think? I know James Altisher is like infamous for like creating business ideas and just tweeting about them because he knows he can't do the 999 that are in his head, but it gives him an opportunity to get that out. Yeah. And maybe other people can grab onto those. So without sharing too much IP, like what are some things that you think of letting your mind go wild <laughs> i have so many ideas related to ai right now and i think like two of them are actually good enough that i'm not going to say them because i might i might try it myself but i mean most of my ideas right now are always related to like the latest technology i always get really excited about innovation and robots and all of it and i always say to people i'm not commenting on the morality of it i'm not gonna you know if a robot kills someone like don't tweet at me i'm not saying that it's necessarily the best thing in the world but that's where a lot of my excitement is right now. And I, I keep a running list of book titles. So I have 20 books that I want to write. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure people can guess, obviously, one I really want to write right now is uh, the intersection of AI and freelancing. Like I really want to write a book on copywriting AI. Like what is AI going to do to writing? Um, I have like all these ideas. I have a book all ready to go. Wiley, I'm trying to make a, a call with them right now because I'm like, let's go. But yeah, I have like <laughs> I have like the longest list of books that I could just write like now. So do you see AI, a lot of people in an industry like yours would see AI as a challenge to your industry, but it sounds like given that you're smiling and sound happy that you're like more excited about it. So how do you see AI impacting freelance? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about it. I mean, I see it 
I see it automating 75% of what freelancers have to do every day as part of their job. So imagine getting back 75% of your working hours. I think people automatically assume that that just means they're going to be out of business and they're not going to be making money. But I'm like, no, no, no. You like stopped here. Like you're like, oh, okay, I get 75% of my time back. I'm not going to be making money. I'm like, but you have to keep going. But you get 75% of your time back. Like that's so exciting. What are what are people going to do with that extra 75% of time? Mm-hmm. You could t- spend half of it more like doing things that you like with your life, spend more time with your family, spend more time resting. Like all these things are amazing. Or you could take the 75% and then reinvest that time into new things that are going to pop up. So people are going to be using the AI to come up with all these new things you're going to be able to take advantage of. Like it can code web apps for you. You can make your own software now. You don't need to hire a person to code it for you. So if you've always had an idea for a software, like you can just have it made, you can have an app made, you can have a chat bot made, like, I'm so excited by it. I think it's going to change so much so fast that I it's almost hard to predict what it is even going to look like a year from now because of all this free time people are going to have for creating and innovating and thinking that's so valuable because so many people don't have time to do to do that. Um, and then, yeah, like not to mention, like if you have kids, like you can be with your kids. Like that's awesome. The AI can be with your kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'm just, I don't see the negative here. And it's like, oh, okay, let's say you have to lower your rates because the client knows AI is doing it for you. That's fine. They're just going to buy more in bulk then. So if your blogs are half the price now, they're going to buy three and the AI did it for you. So I just, I don't see a negative. Um, I think AI is going to clean house mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of industries that need it. I think it's going to push us, you know, into the future that we're kind of waiting. We're kind of like waiting for that push. Like you're on the diving board. Like we need someone to like push you off of it. And I think that's what it's going to do. And I think it has people scared, but I don't know. I'm an agent of chaos. I think it sounds exciting. <laughs> like the Joker. <laughs> one of the areas for me that I would love, and if this is one of your business ideas, you can keep it super secret, but please just do it. And then let me know how I sign up is creating micro content from shows like this, you know, create essentially typically an hour long show. And because the guests are always amazing, you could argue 40 amazing clips. Even if you hired completely someone to do that, that's it just doesn't end up happening at scale like I would love for it to with long form content creation. So it'd be hard for a robot a little bit though, because I think what's so neat about the things that still exist and why I'm just as excited as you and not scared is that I've been saying this for 10 years too, like the true creative careers and opportunities are coming. They're taking a while, but like where there's not a need for the non-creative stuff as much, right? And so I think that's where it kind of heads and it's like, yeah, but a robot still can't do certain things. And that stuff is getting super cool. Oh, yeah. Like a robot could make hip hop music, but then it wasn't made with that human element. And so I still like, I'm so excited for that. And so the idea of uh, freelance, like we're on that topic now, that's where you built the entire brand. The first time I had ever heard of your work, it was certainly through that. I'm sure the majority of connections are through that. It sounds like if somebody felt they were too late to that, according to you, it would still be a really good place to start right now. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, actually, during a recession, I just wrote an article on this, like right before this corporations lay off thousands of employees, but they still need the work done. So they actually turn to freelancers because they're hired on a per project basis. They usually have a specialty in it. Um, They don't have to pay for the salary. They're just paying you one off. So recessions are actually great opportunities for freelancers, which like you can't really name too many industries that flourish in a recession. Um, So I I believe it's, it's still way early to the freelancing revolution. Like I don't think you're too late whatsoever. I, for eight and a half years, haven't ever had a single problem finding clients that need to have work done. And all the people who have read my book, taken my courses, are in my Facebook group. I see there's 27,000 people in it every day posting about all the orders they're getting. So if people think it's too saturated, just remember, Amazon's laying off 18,000 employees this week. I just wrote this. Uh, Microsoft's laying off 10,000. So think about that. That's like 28,000 jobs that just got laid off, but that work still needs to be done. Like, where are they? How are they having that work done? They're looking for freelancers. So I just always tell people don't get in your head on it thinking that there's no space because that could not be farther from the truth. 
Right. And the short version would be join your Facebook community probably or follow your social content. But the slightly longer, again, it's a masterclass and I need to create a bullet point post out of this. Plus I'll share it with youth. So if I had like right now, this is, I'm not just making this up. I have three students right now in particular that I'm working with. And I know that they're all interested in getting into the world of remote work. In one case, she has a young kid at home. So it's a little bit tough to go work at a store. The other two are in hospital, but they have the ability to have laptop, they have phone, they have the ability to do stuff. And they're just struggling with their mental health right now. But in all three of those cases, I see them about once a week. And we we talk about the idea of like things you could do. So if someone like that came to you and was like, okay, I want to start freelancing, but I, I don't know where to start. Yeah. What journey as a consultant do you take them on? Yeah, it's funny because I don't do consulting anymore because I actually found it to be like so draining for some reason when I would do it. Because you're caring, <laughs> because you're a caring person. <laughs> It would physically upset me because when these people would tell me what's going on in their lives, I like couldn't handle it. I'd like want to start crying for them. So yeah, it would drain me like immensely. But that's actually, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book I wrote because it's designed to be that like your consultation experience is like now in a book. So I always tell people first, like the book will do this for you. But to like make it simple, if they don't know where to start, I always say, grab a journal, write down things that interest you, that you're skilled in and that you were passionate about as a kid, write it all down on a bunch of pages and start to group them. And then with those groups, you know, you might notice one is heavily like coding. I don't know, that wouldn't be mine, but it might be somebody's. Take that and look it up in these freelancing marketplaces. So Fiverr, I'm obviously a fan of Fiverr, uh, Upwork, whatever. Type it into the search bar and then spend hours looking at all of the results are gonna come up of so many people who are offering different things that you might've never thought of. And that's how I got started when I typed in press release writing on Fiverr. I saw a gig come up for blog writing. I never would have thought of that. And I was like, oh, okay, like I think a blog, that they're not that hard to write. Like maybe I could do that because I know how to write a press release. And that's how my whole journey started was just kind of falling in love with researching in a lot of ways. So I would encourage someone to do that. Look it up on Fiverr, look up the things that interest you. Spend time looking at what people have done with that. There's absolutely no shame in not copying verbatim, you know, but like copying a, a service that somebody else is selling. That's the whole point of an open marketplace. And kind of go from there, you know, set up a couple services, get experience with it, get the five-star reviews, you know, work hard in the beginning, impress the clients, get the testimonials and scale. And it's much more complicated than that, of course. When I say that in a video, people are like, you're making it sound so easy. Like I'm not, no, at no point right now did I say it's easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. You have to, you have to put some work in, but it's, my book goes through step-by-step step, what I just said right there, but that's, that's the gist of it. And one of the things that you could probably add a little bit to, and again, of course, like just going on the site, of course, you're, you're going to see all the examples, but I think it would surprise people what types of things you could do. So we talked about blog writing and coding. If you just kind of rattled a few off that people could do in the freelance world, what else would there be? Oh my gosh. I mean, Fiverr, the expansion from when I got on it to today is crazy. I mean, they're trying to be like number one for everything. So you can do like cooking lessons now, personal training, like tarot card reading. Like, I mean, there's just, I've seen everything on there. Uh, The biggest markets on there, of course, are graphics and design, like everything. There's like architectural renderings, 3D renderings, YouTube thumbnails, making it for people, um, making, you know, Instagram reels, scripts for reels, um, editing videos, voiceovers, it's its anything. Uh, it can be freelance. Like that's why I always say you actually have no idea unless you sit down, go on Fiverr, you hover on the top at the um, categories at the top, they drop down. There's like 10 categories and under each one, there's like a hundred things. Like it, I think there's like 700 different things that you could be offering on there. You could be somebody's virtual friend. You could dress up as Spider-Man and do an, a greeting for a, a birthday card for someone. I mean, And it's really, really clever what people do on there. The problem of talking about this stuff right now is my like shiny object brain is just in absolute overdrive, like to the point where I don't even know if I'll be able to finish this episode in a coherent way because I'm like, wait, I want to start looking this up and being (laughs) like, hey, okay, I'm going to do this, like something super random, but I just need to stay focused instead. But I just love that. I love that the opportunities are there. People just kind of need to take the action. Um, In terms of distribution and, and being able to build it once you start getting some traction and some contracts or people, uh, some some clients, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see where people can't grow, or at least they say they can't grow? Let me think. I know I'll see people kind of fall short when they 
don't deliver the projects on time because there's like timers on Fiverr and they'll be late on delivery on them. And then they'll kind of write in my Facebook group and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't got an order in three weeks. I don't know why. And it'll show like completion rates 20% or something. And then people will be like, hey, you have to deliver, you know, the projects on time. So I people don't really fall short at like the getting started part because that's the fun part. It's usually like the six months in part where you're not making six figures yet. Uh, you absolutely can after one year doing it. That's what's amazing. You don't have to put in 10 years to make six figures. You can do it by like the eighth month mark, which is really so short of time to make six figures. Like normally in a corporation, you have to, you know, you have to be the intern and then you have to be the entry level and then you become the senior manager and then you become the manager. You know, you have to do your decade to make the six figures. You can do it in eight months, but it's usually around that six month mark where maybe they're making 50K a year, which is still great, you know, but um, they're starting to get sloppy or um, kind of to not follow through because it's not 100K yet. So they get kind of lazy with it. I notice is uh, usually there's like the plateau period where you have to keep yourself eye on the prize. You got to stay excited and focus about it. And that's why I always say the amazing thing with freelancing is this is your opportunity to go do something you actually want to do for a living. Please don't just pick something because you think it'll make you rich. When I pick freelance writing, I always say to people, do you think I thought I would make a lot of money doing that? Mm-hmm. I like had made peace with myself that I'm going to be the writer that makes 30K a year. And I understand understand this, uh, you know, United States framing. I know that can be a lot of money in places, but I was in New York, so it was not. Um, I was like, I'm going to be the person that can barely buy a latte, but I'm going to be happy as crap writing on my laptop because I love writing and I have made peace with myself knowing that, and this is what I want to do. And being that passionate about it, ironically brought the money in. So I always say to people like, this is your chance to freelance something that actually makes you happy. Please don't chase a dollar, you know, chase your happiness and the money will come. So if you hit a plateau with something that might be a sign that you picked a skill that doesn't like actually excite you, you might've just picked it because you think you'll make money at it. So pick something that actually fills you up spiritually, like make sure you wake up in the morning and like you want to get out of bed and do it because you love doing it so much. When people go on TikTok and give the advice that picking your passion is bad advice because you should pick something you're good at, where like just I realize that this is a massive topic too, and we could do an entire episode on it. But what do you say to that? That is a tough one. I get what people are saying when they say don't pick your passion because you'll kill it, right? Because if you monetize it, it won't bring you joy anymore. I I get where they're coming from that, but I guess to me that's rooted in this idea that you're only good or passionate about like one or two things things, which I fundamentally disagree with, but you know. So I say there's too much pressure there. Like I say, just if something makes you happy and you think you can sell it to people, just do it because there's 50 other things that make you happy. You just aren't aware of it yet. I really believe like if you're kind of in this, you know, like you've been dormant, you've been sleeping at your corporate job because it shuts down so many creative things and people just being like yelled at and put in their place and whatever. Um, I really believe like this happened to me when I started freelance writing and I was like, I like writing, I'm going to sell it. Next thing I know, I start like coming to life. Like I'm like, oh, I also like interior design. And like, I also want to dye my hair colors. And I also want to go to Iceland now. Um, I didn't know that about myself. And like, I also want to learn how to golf. Like you all of a sudden, like your brain wakes up and then like all these little things are buzzing around and you realize that you like 10 things. You don't just like one thing. So I kind of disagree with that passion thing. I think you should pick a passion to start because I think you need to start somewhere. And I think you're going to come to life and realize you have nine other passions. And of course, you don't need to monitor monetize all nine of them. I heard you say in a recent video, at least once, if not twice in that video, the idea of just trying things. And it's like, that's why I put the handle that I did as just tries oh, on that. my personal, because I was like, I was having trouble putting it at the forefront for people. And I was like, here, this is now my handle is available on all platforms. This is exactly what you just said. So obviously we're in agreement on that. I think one of the interesting topics though, quickly is you had mentioned that when you started writing, you were going to be happy, you know, sitting in a coffee shop writing. You were also good at writing Yeah. for people who maybe their passion isn't the thing they're good at. What do you say to them? I see. Okay. I I also have a theory on we become passionate about things that we are inherently good at in a way. Like I feel like you, any, everyone enjoys doing something that they know they don't suck at. If you have just one passion that you love so much and you suck so bad at it, um, I would encourage you then to, with the journaling thing, start exploring other things, other interests in your life. Um, if you don't feel confident in whatever that thing is, I think there might be a little even disconnect going on in your brain about like who you are and what makes you happy. If you think something that makes you happy is something you're really bad at. I actually would argue that there's 
some self, not self-reflection. I don't, I don't mean for this to sound cold. Like I would argue that there's a disconnect possibly between like who you are and, and what you're here to do and what you think you're here to do. That's what I would, I would argue there's a disconnect going, which is so normal. Like that's, that's something that plagues people many times till they're 70 is, is figuring out like, what are you here to do? So that's a big question to ask yourself again, go easy on yourself, journal the heck out of it, write down your dreams, go on walks, give yourself a grace period. But I I do believe that we get joy out of being good at things. Um, so if you don't feel like you're good at anything, that's just not true. And you have to, I think, give yourself more time to find the things you are good at. For sure. Great golf is more fun than good golf and good golf is more fun than terrible golf. I can definitely attest to that. <laughs> oh, totally. It was funny. I'm actually, I don't like golf. Like I, I tried taking all these golfing lessons. And I just, I just discovered I hated it, but I had to find out. Like I, I wasn't amazing at it. And I was like, I don't like this. Okay. I'm done. But I had to try, you know, I tried. I agree. And I, and we, again, there's another episode. We can just create an entire show together <laughs> with that one. I would be so interested in if you stuck with it for the sake of an experiment, seeing if you enjoyed it more down the line with improvement in skill and different types of games. And anyways, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> A whole case study, but in learning. Yeah. I, I mean, we're going to wrap soon. You know, um, I just made the joke that we could create an entire show and do something weekly because we, we kind of used to in the past. And <laughs> it's just like all these topics are massive, but you're a great person to chat with. Before we move on from the business stuff, though, are there people that you look up to? You know, a lot of people will say, oh, I look up to Elon Musk or when you the idea of having mentors or kind of people that you learned from, who are some people that you look up to? Um, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I always say like my mom has always been my business mentor. She's an entrepreneur. So now we're just like equals with stuff. If I come up with an idea, I'm like, mom, listen to this. What do you think? And she's just like me. She'll either be like, I love that. Yes, Alex. Or she'll be like, mm, I don't know about that one. So she's my like in-person like business advice, not advisor, like mentor, I guess, right? Because she's older with like the wisdom and stuff. Um, there's there's other business people that I don't know personally that I look up to. Um, you might laugh if you hear this one, but I love watching what Paris Hilton does with her businesses. I look up to her in, in so many ways, like especially as a woman and everything like that. But she like she is multi-passionate and has made it work and is unapologetically herself. Like all these things, like I look up to her a lot. I look up to Bethany Frankel, Barbara Corcoran. Um, I'd say like those those are my three I check in on a lot on Instagram. I just think they're all badass women that don't care what people think of them and have done like everything backwards and done everything the way they were, you know, told not to do. So um, I, I check in on them. But yeah, I really, I really love I, I really think Paris Hilton is a very interesting person. And I think there's so much more to her than you would initially think just based on her brand, her character that she's made for herself. I completely agree. I, I don't remember exactly where it was, whether it was on a Twitter spaces or a clubhouse room, but there's definitely been a couple of times where I've heard her talking. Yeah, it, it was on, it was in clubhouse, I, I believe probably both, but, and it was connected to the NFT world at the time in her, what like the answers she was giving and what she was discussing really was not specific to NFTs at all. It was specific to creativity and brand and just being a good person and like learning. And yeah. I, I love examples like that. Someone I had the opportunity to meet before was Kid Rock and like he He's an example of that. It's like people see the character. Oh, um, what to say, Marilyn, Marilyn Manson, Alice Cooper. My wife and I met Alice Cooper backstage at a concert, just like in the movie Wayne's World. That's cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And but the really interesting thing was just getting to chat with him about golf. So he's a scratch golfer, and he started a school for kids with autism. And people just see like the the character, right? But he created the character because he knew he could market the character. Exactly. It's a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah, which is a, a really interesting thing. Uh, so. I love to ask some theme questions in wrapping. And it's kind of nice because the the more and more episodes that we have, the more we can kind of link them together and yeah. create some cool stuff in the future. And so the first one is if you were to leave one piece of advice for this next generation, you know, you had the opportunity in terms of legacy is a strong word, but one piece of advice that you would leave behind, what would that be? Oh, man, I have <laughs> that one's tough. Um, I would say I would say to them, society has it all backwards. There's absolutely no way in ever, ever that you would know at 18 what you're meant to do with your life. So having to pick a major and do all this stuff that stresses everyone out, ignore all of that and, and really give yourself 
10, 10 years, you know, 18 to 28 to just actually, this sounds cliche, like try everything, try freelancing, try running your own business, try a side hustle, try working a nine to five, um, try all four of those things because you're going to know what actually makes you happy on the other side of it. And there's nothing that there's no price tag for that to be set up for the rest of your life, being like actually happy with what you're doing. So the, the idea that you should know at 18 is just so false. It's so wrong to me. <laughs> One million percent. I think you know, and everyone knows that I completely agree with the idea of trying things. Yeah. So, uh, and then one thing that you yourself are maybe trying right now or learning that could be off brand or on brand, but something that you are learning right now. Um, okay. So I'm reading The Power of Now right now. And um, amazing, amazing book. And I, I read a bunch of like quantum physics books last year and, and Dr. Uh, Joe Dispenza books. They, it's crazy how they all tie together. It's like these, these guys didn't know each other in a lot of ways, but they were all, they talk about the same concept, just in different ways. So I feel like I'm, you know, it sounds funny. Like I feel like I'm like working on like my own personal enlightenment in a lot of ways and being in the present moment. Cause I consider myself to be someone who's pretty good at that until you read these books and you realize like how much further you have to go with it. So I'm I'm working on that. I'm working on as as people on TikTok say it like romanticizing your own life, which is actually living in the present moment. It's you know, it's like lighting the candle on your desk because it makes you feel a little cozier or it's uh putting music on before you work and closing your eyes to like listen to an instrument in it that you never heard before. That type of stuff. I'm enjoying that right now. <laughs> There's, I don't think anything healthier than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. And when people ask me about like a book recommendation, I, I, I'm I'm not hesitant to say the power of now, but it's like definitely the first one that comes to mind. Totally. And then depending on who it is and what they're going for, it's not necessarily the first one I say because you know, kind of knowing your audience. And and I don't say that because it's a boring book. The reason I say it is because I think you need to be in a certain mindset to even be able to get into that book. Yeah. And the other thing about it is I think it's, there's so much great information that being patient, patient, working your way through it, I know. that or reading it 50 times, you could read like two sentences from Eckhart Tolle and then like practice applying that for a month. <laughs> it, it's actually stressing me out because I'm trying to like take notes while I read it. And I'm like, there's no way I can absorb all that is in this. So I'm just accepting that I'm going to need to read it every year for like 10 years to, to like get it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That or like someone else, uh, Hayden Cashin had put on his stories that he was reading that the other day. So like it's making a bit of a comeback and I had sent him a, a DM and just said, read it in pieces, apply it and then go back to it. Because like, I think that's so rare. We don't do that. Yeah. Right? Like with most books, we want to get through them beginning to end. And that really was how I started to appreciate that book a bit more. And then also, yeah, just picking it up every now and again, maybe when you're feeling a little more anxious than usual and, you know, open that up, you could just flip to page 92 and you're like, oh, yeah. And then like that helps. Like it's it's a it's a really great book. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that for you. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one is always fun. I kind of pass the microphone over to you and just say something that you're curious about if you were to ask me a question. Oh, let me think. Okay. So, so there's this theory going around TikTok right now that 2023 is going to be a year of creativity and fun and lightness because the past few years have been so heavy energetically on everyone starting with COVID and then the fallout from it. So I would say, do you agree with that? And if so, how are you incorporating this year of creativity and fun into your business? Is that a good question? <laughs> <laughs> There's no bad question. I think that's a great question. <laughs> it's open-ended, which helps. Yeah. The funny thing is though, coming right off that Eckhart Tolle power of now thing is like, I probably shouldn't think about it, but um, <laughs> uh, in terms of getting outside of the present moment for a second and thinking about sort of the future, like, I don't know. The one thing that, as you say that, that's interesting is I saw yesterday at least a couple social media clips of people really trying to sell fear of a recession. And that's actually what I thought you were about to say was that people think 2023 is going to be like the darkest financial year ever. And I was like, okay, this is good. I like how we're, you know, glass three quarters full. <laughs> In my estimation, I can see where that's coming from as a theory. And I feel like I do agree unless some kind of public health thing 
kind of makes a comeback or something in some weird way, which would be terrible. But I do feel like it, it's hard to separate right now from personal life because for me, having lost my two brothers to one to illness and one to a car accident in the last couple of years, it's like, I do feel that way, but I don't know if I feel that way because it's 2023 and we're post COVID or I feel that way because I'm starting to be at a point in my grief journey where I can actually have a bit of fun again. And so, you know, and I know you've gone through a lot of tough times this year with the hurricane and things like that, that you've shared. And I mean, if people listening now, it's kind of hard to dive into that at the very end of an episode, but certainly they should go check out your posts about that because I think they're really heartfelt and impactful. All this to say, for me personally, I do feel like a renewed energy in 2023 beyond just regular resolutions. And one of the ways that I'm doing that is this is the first year that I'm fully focused on the podcast as like the pillar thing, but even more so like my goal is to have it be the most valuable interview education show in Canada in 2023. We'll tackle the USA and Joe Rogan in the next few years, but <laughs> but this year within the country that I'm in and building this show out. So it's like the thing. The other part about that is putting energy into uh, writing daily, which is something that I used to do. And I got away from, you know, I was a Seth Godin fan, published 30 for 30 and, you know, ship 365 and 365 and kind of got away from that because I got more into the SEO, actual blog writing, you know, slowing down keywords, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then again, like we were talking about earlier about like values. I'm like, no, I, I just rather write creative that actually helps people. It doesn't matter if two people read it or 2000. And so I've been keeping that up basically at least three posts a week. And so I think those two things with renewed energy are things that I'm doing business-wise. Nice. I'm glad to hear that on all accounts there. Yeah, thank you. It was a good question. (laughs) (laughs) The last question, speaking of which, is always where and potentially why might people want to find you online? Oh, well, um, the why is I post free educational content every day. I am a fountain of it. I always have ideas related to freelancing, AI, whatever. So that that, that would be the why. Um, I'm my most active on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. So if you look up Alex Fasulo on any of those, I come up. It's amazing. You mentioned earlier, not chasing too many shiny objects. And I know that our time is super valuable and that your time is in high demand, whether it's business or creative. So I always see podcasting as like a collaboration as opposed to this transactional thing. So I want to say thank you so much for working together with me on creating this episode. Thank you, Justin, for having me on. Of course. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Boom. Yay. JKL listeners, thank you for being here. Our community continues to grow and grow and we could not do this without you. Please do continue to share the show with others. It's our dream to help millions of people achieve their own dreams. Thank you to our guest today, Alex. She makes business success and hustle look simple and calm while being humble along the way. As always, we love hearing your comments and getting your DMs about the show. If you have any input on guests or topics, don't be shy. Just let us know. Until the next episode, all the best. And remember, just keep learning. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true. But there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.